Get Ripple, the bright new drink with that ring-a-ding flavor, Ripple. Okay, we are back. Part two. Ready for round two. First, we need to do, do a little celebration of with cheersing with our team. Chant. Try that again. Try it again. <laughs> We've only been at it for a year. Let's see if we can get through a whole sentence. First, we need to cheers with some champagne to one year Woo-hoo. officially of one the Ripple year. podcast. Woo-hoo. Of flat champagne that we opened a while ago. Well, it was in the refrigerator. It's totally flat. It tastes good. It tastes like champagne. It's Just totally fine. No bubbles. We are not above boxed wine. Mm-mm. And it's the Ripple podcast. I mean, I feel like flat champagne is pretty appropriate for it. It is. Like if we had a signature drink for the entire podcast itself. It would be boxed wine and flat champagne. Yes. Yeah. Or maybe stale beer. Uh, No, we're not that bad. A little skunky, a little skunky stale beer. Maybe. <laughs> Depends on the day. <laughs> well, we did it one year. I Woo-hoo. can't. All right. Okay, so I have talked to a few people, and they're super excited about part two. Oh, okay. So we've gotten some messages saying, like, oh, my gosh, hurry up, because I want to know what happened. Well. And I do, too. And I will say that I kind of did some snooping. Did you? Because I didn't read any articles. I went strictly looking for images to post on our Instagram. Okay. And holy shit, there's some... I need some explaining well, of what I was looking at. Actually, really good because now when I get to a part that needs to be described, you can describe to me what you saw. Okay, it was because there's a certain thing that we need to describe. Okay, yeah, it's. I can't wait to hear it. I I didn't do any reading because I don't read, um, <laughs> but I looked at a lot of pictures. Okay, well okay, that ready? works. Go. So we left off. With the tragic death of Colleen Conaway, remember? She jumped off the... She jumped off the parking structure. I think it's... Three or four? Yeah. Long. Far far enough to not have a happy ending. Yeah. And we also left off with James Arthur Ray doing his weird culty stuff. And he was seriously distancing himself from her death. And he was just trying to disassociate as much as possible, which unfortunately kind of worked because it doesn't seem like he had to take any sort of responsibility as far as I could find. There were no charges that held up against him um, other than sending like a little like I'm sorry type not even I'm sorry sorry for your loss type of card to the Mm -hmm. family that was it there wasn't really any sort of civil charges that I could find and if they were they were not public Okay, but it, I, this is, mm, go for it. Probably a controversial opinion, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, mm, I don't know how to say this without sounding heartless. No, I, I think I know where you're going and I was actually going to bring that point up next. Okay. I don't think he's really responsible for her death. And that's kind of what the police thought during the investigation as well. Okay. Because... I feel you, bad saying that because I think he had maybe a part in it. Mm-hmm. Like he claimed to be helping her when he wasn't 
authorized or had the education or the know-how how to help her. Right. And maybe he was doing just the opposite and actually hurting her. But she took her own life. Right. He did not push her off that we know, at least. Yeah. And that's that's kind of how the police felt. And I think just, I, I mean, I don't know the specifics of laws regarding that. But if you remember, do you remember, um, shoot, I have her name in here. The death of Conrad Roy and his girlfriend, Michelle Carter. It I was, know those names. Okay, so it was a super, super kind of scandalous case where she was text messaging. These are both teenagers. Yes, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she told him. To kill himself. To kill himself. She absolutely had a part in that. Right. 100%. She was totally disgusting and calling him a pussy and saying, do it, do it, do it. And yeah, well, she... I don't know if she called him a pussy. No, she did. Did she I really? I read the whole text message thread. Oh, wow. Don't Yeah, don't be... It was like, don't be a pussy. You can do this. Um, Stay in the car. Don't get out of the car. Like, I mean, it was disgusting. Right. She was horrible. So the reason I bring up that example is because she very much said, do this, do this, do this. And even so... It was a very controversial case because you're still not physically full on Committing. making somebody mm-hmm. do something against their own free will. Right. So that's where it gets like into a sticky situation. Right. He could have stopped. He could have gotten out of the car. He could have blocked her number. But he. But she. Mm-hmm. Which she did get charged. She yep. did get convicted. Yeah. Uh, she was telling him do it. Yeah. And nobody in the Ray, whatever you want to call it, cult, Mm -hmm. told her to do it. Right. So that's where it is kind of like, okay, well, you can't, even though, yes, he he most definitely had some sort of influence, you can't make him responsible. Uh Uh-huh. No, I, yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to say without sounding heartless. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like I have a few other examples because it is a really like controversial situation because if you look at, um, this is kind of the other thing that popped in my mind when I was reading about this. If you go to a bar, right? Mm-hmm. And you get super drunk, the bartender overserves you, you go out, get in a car accident and kill yourself or somebody else. The bar still does have to take some sort of responsibility. Yeah, I've heard that. So if you look at it from that perspective, the bartender didn't force you to take those extra shots. The bartender didn't tell you to get in your car and be be irresponsible and drive. Yet there still is a law that in most states it's known as the DRAM, D-R-A-M, DRAM. Dram shop laws, which imposes criminal penalties and or civil liability when a bartender continues to serve a patron who is already drunk. If that patron leaves and causes an injury to others, at least partly, they are responsible. Hmm. So if you look at it from that perspective, does that make you think any differently? I don't know. It's it's really hard because like... What about someone who commits murder, but they were getting therapy? Is the therapist at fault because they didn't fix them? Or call, you know, police and say, this guy I feel is dangerous, but he hasn't done anything. I just, I mean. I think they do have to do that. I think if they do give any sort of indication that if, 
they are going to cause harm to themselves or others, they do have to call the police. Well, I know as a teacher, you're a mandated reporter. Mm -hmm. So if I ever hear of a student that is being abused, I am mandated by law to report that. Um, Same thing if they're going to hurt themselves. Okay. Um, It's I can get into a lot of trouble. But if someone is getting therapy and maybe they've got the therapist totally fooled, maybe the therapist doesn't have any idea that this person's going to go out and murder someone, but they do. Is that therapist liable or should they be? Well, I think it's different because I think uh, somebody who is a bartender or doing something like this Jay or sorry, James Ray guy is Mm -hmm. he is influencing their behavior where a therapist isn't necessarily influencing the behavior. Right. They're more reacting. They're talking you through what's already there maybe they're i don't know i mean giving them coping mechanisms that aren't working i don't know but again okay let's go to a bar how many times have you had drinks bought for you and get yeah trashed but i've also had drinks bought for me and i got trashed but i still was told to leave <laughs> oh i've been cut off i've been yeah kicked out of a couple bars myself but that was i it's rare that the bartender is actually the one getting me the drinks yeah it's usually someone else getting them for me that's true so I I don't know I'm just looking at this from every possible angle okay well let me give you another angle because the James Ray Foundation didn't serve alcohol but what they did do was serve sleep deprivation so which I know of a couple of people that have had sleep deprivation and they full-on hallucinate. Okay. Like, hallucinate. Yeah. Because, according to the Dana Foundation, sleep deprivation makes us moody, irritable, and impairs brain functions such as memory and decision-making. It also negatively impacts the rest of your body. It impairs the functioning of the immune system and makes us more susceptible to infection. So brain imaging now can show how sleep deprivation affects brain function, which shows an altered connection between the prefrontal cortex and the brain's reward and emotion processing centers, impairing executive function. So as a result, we become hypersensitive to the reward stimuli and our emotions become super heightened and we start acting irrationally. I totally got that. I don't, those were a lot of really smart words, and I totally understood it. <laughs> but doesn't it sound a lot like being super drunk? Absolutely. Yeah. Or high, or yeah. You're not making decisions based on reality. Not reality. It's not the word I want to say. But it's you're, like you're not making good, normal decisions. Right. It's like at what point is your free will no longer there? Mm-hmm. Like at what point is it, has somebody manipulated? your normal functioning to where it's like, well, now you're kind of responsible for the way I'm functioning. Because you have deprived me of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Or you've given me five too many drinks or whatever. So, yes, I do agree that, like you said, it is ultimately her decision and nobody made her do that. But in a way, if you start looking a little bit deeper into it, it's like, well... Maybe there's an argument there. Well, and we don't know what had happened right before she jumped, correct? 
We do know that there was a tox screen done and there was no drugs in her system. Is that correct? Right. Um, but do we know about her being sleep deprived? Well, we know that that was a practice that they did. Yes. But we don't know if it happened. I'm pretty sure it did happen at that time. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, yeah. So I don't know. I it's mean, it's just a really sticky situation. And I think that maybe with the, and who knows, like he probably has some super high up lawyers who could throw around a lot of technical language and mm-hmm. money to prevent anything from going further because he has to protect his reputation and protect this empire that he's built. Well, he had people calling, knowing that she was dead, asking for her and saying they were worried about her. Yeah. That's that's gross. It's super gross. Like, you can't deny that that's seriously mm. fucked up. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not she would have done that with or without him, that's super fucked up. Yeah. That's, I feel like almost those people should have had some kind of charges, like trying to falsify life or something i don't, I don't, <laughs> don't know i don't know what you would put that under i see where you're going but okay let's fast forward a little bit to october so this colleen passed away in july this is only a few months later same year so james arthur ray didn't waste any time getting back to his spiritual warrior retreats and he was hosting another five-day retreat that was for the people at the very, very tip-top of his pyramid. And this was the Spiritual Warrior event that was held annually at the Angel Valley Retreat Center near Sedona. And this had been going on every year since 2003. So, like, it wasn't the first time he had done this. Okay. Is it a year? You said it was a yearly event? Yeah, it was an annual thing. So, like, they pumped it up, made it a big, huge... I'm sure. With a big, big, huge price tag, too. So if you were going to go to this five-day retreat, uh, it was going to cost you $10,000. No way. And that doesn't even include your travel expenses. Who can afford that? People who are super, super invested in this cult. Like, they are diehards. Okay, because, like, Stagecoach, Coachella, Burning Man, I mean, those are all multiple-day festivals. Right. And you don't get, a, I mean, depending on which, like, ticket you get, you don't get, like, a whole lot. You know, you get somewhere to sleep, maybe. But I feel like the mo- the most expensive ticket I ever saw for any of those was maybe, like, three grand. And that's, like, the VIP elite. Oh, I have no idea. I'm always a general admission type of girl. <laughs> totally. Grass seats. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this $10, is $10,000 and you have your glass of flat champagne there. So go ahead and take a little sip. <laughs> Every time I mention something that sounds a little bit cultish okay. for this $10,000 retreat. So day one, you get there, you're pumped. You're going to be a spiritual warrior. First step is shave your head. Oh no. <laughs> My drink's going to be gone. Okay. It's gone. So then um, the next thing that they did is they played a game inspired by good old Tom Cruise called The Last Samurai. Okay, so that's Scientology. Take a sip. (laughs) Are you going to tell me how to play this game? Oh, yeah. So um, in this game, they require one person to play the part of God. Guess who plays that part? 
um does tom cruise make an appearance no unfortunately so then it would be mr ray still mr ray so he was dressed in a white robe and no one was permitted to speak to him the staff played the angels that's not a very good god if i'm gonna (laughs) have play god like everyone should be able to talk to me right no he's above all didn't they ever watch like bruce almighty they get all those emails and no that that sounds like a much more fun movie to model their retreat after but instead it was a tom cruise movie okay and the staff was uh they played the angels of death so they oh yeah <laughs> it's funny but it's like not okay. funny at all am i not supposed to laugh? remember people die i'm very uncomfortable right now okay so they dressed in black lipstick and <laughs> Dressed as the Grim Reapers. I don't really know what it involves, but I imagined it's like people hitting each other with like wooden machetes or something. Okay. What? I'm just thinking of like what people wear at other festivals, like fairy wings and glitter. That sounds way more fun. Not Grim Reaper outfit. Yeah. So as a participant of the last samurai game, you learned multiple ways on how to kill yourself. Oh, no. And once you were dead... You had to lie on the ground still. And um, during this game, they actually, I guess they really did hit each other because people ended up getting hurt. But it was like a fairly minor injuries and they just kind of continued to participate in this retreat. Like a um, like a war reenactment type thing? I guess so. When you die, you like lay there until yeah, the game is over. That's what it sounds like. Okay. Um. So there is a blogger. Her name is Julie, and she has a blog called Web Current VIP. And she actually went to this retreat the year before, and she kind of described a little bit more about what they did. So she says, quote, we didn't know exactly what awaited us, but we knew it would be a challenge. And the event was designed to help push you beyond your self-imposed limits. We were asked later not to reveal the workshop's actual activities so as not to spoil the experience for next year's group. Which to me sounds like don't tell people that like this is a really shitty event for $10,000. Yeah. Normally people want to like pump it up like oh my gosh this was so much fun we did this and this and this i can't wait to go back yeah and take all the pictures for your instagram Uh and whatever good filter on it so following the samurai game get ready for your drink because it's empty already (laughs) the followers were set on a vision quest and a vision quest consisted of a two-night stay alone in the desert with no electronics no shelter no food no water, and no light except for the full moon. So that involved a 36 to 48-hour fast. So just go off and find like a rock to hang out on for two days? But pay $10,000 to do it. $10,000. After you shaved your head. Oh, man. Imagine the sunburn. Ouch. Yeah. Huh. Nope. I wouldn't attend this. <laughs> no. Okay. So the following day would be the last day of the retreat. And they had one. This is all they've done for these days? Apparent. I guess there was like a lot of lectures. You listen to Ray talk about himself a lot. And, and his white robe. But you can't talk to him. I guess not. I mean, it sounds super gimmicky, but. It sounds horrible. It really does. It sounds like hell. 
Yeah, this is not a fun thing. Imagine how many nice restaurants, delicious food, like massages, amazing, I don't know, hotel stays, like at an actual resort you could go to with $10,000. Yeah, $10,000 can buy you a lot. But no, you have a shaved head. You got the shit beat out of you with the fucking wooden sword. And now you have to lay in the desert with no food, no water. No shelter. No shelter. And Just so your be out there. new scalp is frying. Mm-hmm. And you paid for all Probably of this. Probably no sunblock. Uh-uh. Okay. So your last day. Your very last day. When you have the final spiritual warrior challenge. They had a ceremony and Ray told his followers that this final test would be painful and it would feel as if you were dying and that is because you are. Okay. You will die and be reborn as a spiritual warrior. Get rippled. Okay, let's get back into it. We, we had to stop, take a little break because we got distracted. Also, we totally forgot to mention that I didn't bring my drink that I had planned for tonight. But what did I do? But Rosa had us covered because she has little uh, shooters of Fireball Whiskey and Jim Bean Fire, Kentucky. Yeah, coincidentally, both involving fire. Mm-hmm. Not planned, but totally appropriate. I thought it'd be fun. Mm-hmm. I figured since you brought the drink last week, I would bring something this week to it contribute. Worked, worked out. Okay. We have little shooters and flat champagne. Yum. So, okay, this last painful, horrible ceremony, spiritual warrior bullshit. Okay. So all of the followers were going to obviously spend this time in a sweat lodge and have some sort of spiritual rebirth. And there was approximately 50 people that were all going to be huddled together in this 450 square foot sweat lodge. Um, was it 50 people that attended the event itself? Uh, uh-huh. Approximately, yeah. Okay. I, I was envisioning like 500 people. Oh, no, no. These, so it was a smaller group to begin with. The very tip top of the pyramid. Which <laughs> which actually probably is more influential because like if you're in a small group, then you're going to be singled out more for not wanting to participate. Wherein if there is 500 people, you could probably escape into the shadows a little bit easier. That's very true. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you're, you're totally like more noticed when you perform well and when you perform bad whereas in like you said a large group you'd just get lost in the crowd mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have that pressure so to a perform smaller group much. he's got actually got more power in a right smaller group. a little bit more intimate mm-hmm. so 450 square feet not very big so that is what i think i just slurped in the microphone oh. <laughs> as i'm taking my shot so it's about half the size of a single wide trailer uh-uh yeah. Wait, 50 people in a like a single wide trailer size. A lot of people. So, so many people that there was like this fire pit in the middle where they had all the hot stones. Mm-hmm. And then they formed like a ring around it, mm-hmm. all shoulder to shoulder. And then they had more people. So they had a second ring around those people all shoulder to shoulder. And what are they doing? So they're all sitting around this these hot stones. Okay. And the people who are in the inner circle 
are touching the knees and like leaning back on the knees of the people in the outer circle. So okay. that's how crammed in they are. Mm-hmm. And they're in this this um, sweat lodge that was thrown together. Like they paid some people to put it together that day. And this might be the pictures that you saw. Uh, I It looked like, like, you know, when you're in preschool and you have like the parachute game, mm-hmm. it looked like that, but not beautiful rainbow colors. Yeah. So that's a pretty good description. So it was like that, but they had like supporting sticks. That held it up. Yeah, it was like some kids had built a tent out of a giant parachute. And then they draped tarps over the top of it, too. So just like, yeah, they just threw a bunch of tarps. It was like, yeah, like like kids building, you know, when you Very build a fort. makeshift. Mm-hmm. And there's no ventilation at all. Very important thing to note about this, except the little flap that was the door. While the session was going on, the only time that door was open was every 15 minutes to bring in more hot stones so that they would keep that heat going. Okay, I was going to ask, like, how would the fire remain burning or heat if there was no air? Right, so the fire is either, is it was either lit ahead of time and then you just have like the hot coals afterwards. Okay. Or, which I think is what they did in this case, they had a fire on the outside that was heating up these rocks. And then they would bring these hot rocks, these hot stones inside of the sweat lodge. So it's like a sauna. Totally. And then they would take like ladles of water and to make put the it over. Steam. And yeah, and that would, the steam would disperse the heat all okay. throughout. Okay. I was, I don't know. I guess the pictures I saw of the of the stones i thought it was a fire originally mm-hmm. and it may have been but and they may, may have built it around a fire but then they continually brought in more okay so more like a like a sauna at the gym right so they all went in the lodge and lodge don't call it a lodge it's not a lodge <laughs> it's not a, a lodge. lodge is a place where you can get some like hot chocolate i was just thinking that <laughs> and look at the pretty snow on the yeah, outside and no. sit by a nice fire this is not a lodge this maybe is maybe have a croissant a croissant this is something that you your mom gave you some nasty old rags and sheets and told you to go outside and build a fort mm-hmm Okay, so they go in, they feel the heat, they're faced with the challenge of withstanding this heat and getting all sweaty and gross and chanting together. What and are they chanting? I don't know. I really wanted to find out, but apparently he had them chanting stuff. Hmm. Probably stuff to stroke his ego. Yeah. And yeah. So, okay, so they're in there. Every 15 minutes, they're bringing in new hot stones. An hour goes by. That sounds awful to me. I don't think I've ever sat in a sauna more than like 10 minutes. Well, you're not supposed to. This is a long time. Yeah. So after an hour, people begin vomiting, gasping for air, and collapsing. Yet Ray continually urged everyone to stay inside. Okay. So you're in your little circle. Mm -hmm. And your buddy over here leaning up against your knees has started vomiting oh god so you are now not only hot and sweaty and dehydrated and everything but you are now smelling someone else's vomit oh god i mean 
I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah, that's awful. That's really awful. And you have to consider, too, that they haven't had anything to eat for however many days. Well, at least, what, two, you said? Two yeah. days out in the desert with no food or water. Mm-hmm. There's people passing that around you. Yep. I w- oh, Okay, go on. Yeah, sounds like a great time. So one participant, actually, I don't know if he was getting up because he wanted to get out because they weren't forced to stay in there. They could get out anytime but they wanted. But peer pressure bullied exactly. into staying. So something happened and he actually tripped and fell onto the hot stones no. and burned his arm. So he crawls out of the tent. No one's helping him? Well, I'll get there. Okay. And he, there's staff who were outside and they were like stationed outside in case anything went wrong, like just to be on staff. And one of the staff members named Martin describes that his skin was gone. The skin was just basically huh. hanging off oh. of his elbow. And then she remembers, Martin, by the way, is a female. Oh. Um, I was trying to take care of him and his entire mindset was just obsessed with getting back in there. Oh he gosh. said, I'm not done. I have to go back in. And he went back in. Oh, that makes me sad. Yeah, it's fucked up. It is seriously fucked up. So between rounds, like I said, every 15 minutes, the staff is bringing in new new stones. And while they were bringing them in, one of the staff member describes, quote, it just looked like these people had been hit by a car or something. I mean, they were just there inside, laying on their sides, barely breathing. It was unbelievable. I have never seen so many people in such bad condition. That's really horrible. It is really horrible. But then you have to think, how brainwashed is the staff to, to not continue to bring in these stones and to not just be like, all right, we're done. I don't want to work here anymore. I'm going to leave or I'm going to call for help. Mm-hmm. This is not going well. But they're so loyal and so dedicated that they just keep on doing it. Well, they make phone calls to a dead girl's cell phone as mm-hmm. well. Yep. I just, I can't get those calls out of my head. Like yeah. that, that's horrible. And after horrible. listening to the actual call, mm-hmm. oh my God, that's yeah. fucked up. Okay. So those still in, inside of the sweat tent tried to remain positive and he'd raised catchphrase, which was play full on. Basically like, if you're going to do it, do it full on. Okay. Like, okay. So people were coming out screaming. But and, you're not playing, but go on. Right. Yeah. Okay, so another staff member, um, Brandy Amstel, she describes people were coming out screaming, saying things like, I'm dying, I'm dying, please don't let me die. Oh my gosh. So at this point, about an hour and a half in, people are actually like, they can't hang anymore, they're coming out. But Ray responded to them, you're more than that. You can push through this. He's in there with them? He's in there with them. Okay. He's conveniently sitting, I guess, closest to the door. Oh, imagine that. Uh Uh-huh. So outside the sweat tent, um, Amstel saw somebody come out and collapse on the ground. And she was told by Ray to stay back, like stay away from her. And they said to her, you need to leave her alone. This is her experience. You don't want to intrude on her experience. So you just need to sit there and be quiet. But they're supposed to be there to help them, I thought. Well, it was part of their experience. I guess that wasn't helping them to carry out their experience, even though this girl was like literally dying in front of them. So many still inside the lodge disregard what their own bodies were telling them. Among them, 
was Kirby Brown. Investigators later told Brown's mother that her daughter had been in distress for some time before she was finally removed from the tent. So during these sessions, somebody called out, Kirby isn't breathing. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Kirby is really having trouble breathing, she said. Ray responded, we will deal with that at the end of the next round. How long did he anticipate staying in this tent? It was supposed to be a total of seven rounds, I think. But he ended up doing an extra one because he lost count. And each round lasts? 15 minutes. Okay, so, okay, got it. Okay, so how many is that? But they don't go out and get fresh air. No, so they get fresh air Only when the door opens. The door opening, but at the same time, more heat is coming in. Right. Yeah, so it it was two hours. Okay, two hours. But I don't think, for whatever reason, I don't think it was supposed to be two hours. Okay. I'm just curious how long he wanted this to last. Yeah, that's I, it's, it gets a little confusing, but regardless, too long. Yeah. Just the like answer, the, answer the answer is, is too, too long. long. But like, okay, so you mentioned this last time, last week when we like first, when I first told you about the sweat lodge at the very, very beginning, mm-hmm. you're like, that's the temperature to cook cookies. Uh-huh. So imagine... Cooking cookies for two hours. Two hours. Mm-hmm. That's like burning cookies. I mean, I don't That's, know a lot about baking, but I don't think those cookies would be good anymore. That would be like um, charcoal cookies, hockey puck cookies, oh my burned God. to a crisp cookies. All right. So poor Kirby was in distress barely breathing and eyewitnesses say it wasn't until about 20 minutes later that brown kirby was finally carried out by then she was completely unresponsive oh no it's so sad so they did have a retired nurse who was there like as a participant it's unclear i don't know she was part of the group in some way whether she was a participant or she was a part of the staff she was there and she did actually go and start giving her cpr Mm -hmm. um but when brown saw that this was happening he didn't want to help her like he was kind of like brown or ray oh i'm sorry my mistake ray so when he saw this he saw that she was getting cpr he saw that she was being pulled out of the tent and he just like kind of continued on the exercise, like whatever, you know, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. She's going to have her experience. You deal with her. So the entire sweat, sweat lodge session lasted two hours and resulted in more than two dozen serious injuries and three deaths. That's over half of the participants. I didn't even think about that, but you are very, very right. Well, a little less than half. You're not very, very right. You're almost right. No, 24 plus 3, and there were 50 participants, right? Oh, yeah, you are right. Look at me doing math (laughs) in my head. I don't know why, but I read it. Like, I said two dozen, but in my head, I read it as 20. It's okay. You're right. I'll forgive you. You're very right, big sister. So, okay, when it was finally over and Ray came out of his sweat lodge, he acted as like if nothing really happened he was just completely unaware of the severity of the entire situation he got up he stretched he got he hosed himself off to like cool off and he saw 
Kirby getting CPR and he just kind of like walked over and just kind of stared and he looked at what was going on didn't offer to help didn't say anything at all and then he just left nice so this is just like a complete like triage chaos scene going on and he leaves so paramedics arrive they wonder if they've stumbled upon like a mass suicide cult who did the does it say who actually called paramedics in it doesn't it does say i would like that, to hear that phone call yeah I, oh i bet that's out there i bet we could find it like i would just i mean i wonder if the person was freaking out and scared or if they were like oh this person might need some help because they're so brainwashed themselves right okay so rosa and i both looked for the 911 call to play for you guys but we couldn't find it anywhere just like clips like yeah. in super short little clips and it's weird because normally that kind of thing is really easily accessible and which makes me think maybe the police didn't release the whole thing or maybe it's since been removed by lawyers and yeah but such. that's really hard to do yeah I don't know it's very strange but obviously somebody did call 911 and the and the little clip that we did hear the person did sound scared yeah they were freaked out it, they weren't um downplaying it at all which I mean the way it's described it sounds like zombies are crawling out of that tent like it's yeah people are not well uh okay so I told you that Kirby was getting CPR and according to eyewitnesses that James was like standing over them and not really doing anything and not he seemed to not really be aware or maybe he was in a state of shock of the severity of what had just happened okay. and he leaves. So paramedics arrive and then of course police arrive to figure out what the hell is going on and Ray is found later on by police in his room and he's just in his room at the re- the resort wait he, he got a room and while everyone else is spending two days in the wilderness well he's probably already a spiritual warrior he probably doesn't need to hang out in the so desert he's just chilling at like a legit resort i i assume so what a way ass. it's described. So he's eating and police go to question him. And apparently he refused to cooperate with police. And from the articles I read, it didn't really go into detail on like how he refused to cooperate. But like he just was not cooperating. And within a few hours, he leaves the state. Oh, well, that's not a sign of guilt. And at this time... 20 of the followers were still being treated for medical problems. That is horrible. Okay. But maybe he had reason to leave the state because five days later, he had another public speaking engagement. Somewhere else? Mm-hmm. In a different state. Uh, apparently. And by this time, Kirby Brown, James Shore, 40. Um, I didn't... Kirby's age she was young I mean it doesn't really matter it's horrible regardless but I don't have Kirby's age here uh she passed away James Shore 40 passed away and then about a week later 49 year old Liz Newman a um, week later yeah she was actually in a coma oh no I know it's really really awful and then I read some bits and pieces that James Shore who passed away he was actually going into the tent and continuously pulling more people out 
and he, until he just physically couldn't do it anymore. So he was hot himself, mm-hmm. and then he saw people that were needing help. Yeah, and he like jumped into action. Right, that's what it sounds like, and oh. I can't really verify that. So he did but, a hero. Oh, absolutely. So five days later, like I said, the speaking tour continues, and. Of course, once these news stories come out, he starts getting all kinds of criticism. So a couple weeks later, he has to cancel the rest of his seminars until he figures out what to do. Of course, he lawyers up and then he goes to Twitter. And (laughs) yeah, as you do. And obviously, like that's his go to because that's what he did when Colleen passed away, too. Oh, that's right. But he goes to Twitter and he starts saying like, oh, my gosh, this is just such a horrible tragedy. These people were my friends. I just don't understand how it happened. And I'm going to search for answers. No, you're not. You caused so he's playing these problems. Dumb. All right. So luckily, in February, Ray, James Ray, I know I keep going back and forth, but the guy has three first names and you can (laughs) never trust somebody who has that many first names. It's always a bad sign. So luckily, James Arthur Ray was (laughs) charged with three counts of manslaughter for his role in the death of Kirby Brown, James Shore and Liz Newman. So he was charged with these three counts of manslaughter. But once he went to trial, which the trial ended up lasting a year, because as you can imagine, it's like like what we were saying earlier. Like it's a, a very sticky situation when people do still have their free will to leave. But luckily, he was convicted. They actually decided on a lesser charge, which was negligent homicide after this year-long trial. And he served time at the Arizona Department of Corrections from November 22nd, 2011 to July 12th, 2013. So that is about two years, not quite two years. Uh So he actually was able to serve all these sentences concurrently. And I don't remember. I want to say that it was two years per individual and he was allowed to serve it concurrently does that make sense uh-huh. does that sound he only served two years basically um but he kind of got charged with six years but was able to serve it all together mm-hmm. it's kind of shitty like how do you feel about that i don't like it i it's i still go back and forth um he, i believe these people were totally brainwashed mm-hmm. I, I really do i also however believe that people have free will and I just wish that their families or whatever could have maybe stopped them from going in the first place. But would you ever imagine, like, if anybody told you, like, oh, I'm going on this Retreat. mission trip. Mm-hmm. You went out of the country. Multiple times. Multiple times mm-hmm. on religious experience type mm-hmm. trips. And none of us, none of your family, none of your friends would have ever expected that it would result in something like this. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's really a hard one for me. I I just I go back and forth because I just he didn't force them like in the sicko that made the kids drink poison. Oh, yeah. Jamestown. Jamestown. He you know, he didn't force them to ingest a poison knowing that they would die 
He did, however, tell them to stay in an unsafe environment and kind of like ridiculed them if they wanted to leave. So, I I mean, he obvi- obviously, in my mind, has a huge part in their death. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Did he cause their death? Partially. Okay. Did he commit murder? No. Okay. That's fair enough. I'm going to talk a little bit more about... I feel really bad saying that. Yeah. I mean, I... No, I totally get it. And I'll... I'll go a little bit more as part of my ripple is kind of the psychology behind this. Am I going to get hate mail for saying that? No, I don't think you will. Because I think we have a pretty good explanation for like psychologically how this thing happened. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit more about the details of the trial and how that panned out. And then I'll tell you a little psychology and then I'll tell you what he's up to today. Oh. <laughs> I, I want him to be in jail for a long, long time. I really yeah. do. I, I don't think he should be out. Okay. Well, unfortunately, he was released and he was placed on parole. Um, he also was ordered to pay $57,000 in restitutions to the families of the three victims. That's not enough. No, not when you're charging $10,000 per person. Per person to sleep and not feed them out in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um. But, so, like you were saying, there's free will, but is there really? Or is free will a myth? Rosa. Oh, no. Have you ever heard of the Milgram experiment? Mm-mm. All right. So the Milgram experiment was conducted back in 1961. And the purpose of the experiment, and this is going to get kind of dark, was to determine how, during the Holocaust, people could be instructed to essentially exterminate Jewish people. Yeah. Like kind of trying to understand how you could convince somebody to follow those orders and not question be, them. Yeah, like be okay with it. So gross. So I have a little clip here. It's about two minutes long, and it describes exactly how this Milgram experiment was conducted. And I feel like it would do a much better job than I would do trying to like regurgitate Wikipedia to you. So I'm going to play it, and then we can talk about it afterwards. Okay. Okay, you ready? Ready. Kind of. <laughs> okay, here we go. A decade earlier... Psychologist Stanley Milgram had also looked at how we respond to authority. In order to understand how people were induced to obey unjust regimes and participate in atrocities such as the Holocaust, he set up an experiment. Volunteers were told they were taking part in scientific research to improve memory. Would you open those and tell me which of you is which, please? Separated by a screen, The teacher would ask the learner questions in a word game and administer an electric shock when the answer was incorrect. He was told to increase the voltage with each wrong answer. Cloud, horse, rock, house. Answer, wrong. 150 volts. Answer, horse. Experiment, that's all. Get me out of here. Get me out of here, please. Continue, please. Go right on. I refuse to go on. Let me out. The experiment requires you continue, teacher. Please continue. Participants didn't know that the learner was really an actor, and the so-called shocks 
harmless. You're gonna get a shot, 180 volts. Two-thirds of volunteers were prepared to administer a potentially fatal electric shock when encouraged to do so by what they perceived as a legitimate authority figure. In this case, a man in a white coat. 375 volts. I think something's happened to that fellow in there. I don't get no answer. He was hollering with less voltage. Can't you check in to see if he's all right, please? Milgram's findings horrified America. They showed that decent American citizens were as capable of committing acts against their conscience as the Germans had been under the Nazis. Oh, that is... That is terrible. Isn't it? Terrible. So, can you kind of describe, because you, you got to see, like, the video a little bit, like, what was going on. I don't know if it's going to translate as well as just being audio, but... Well, the man that was pushing the button to administer the shocks, he was a little distraught. He he didn't want to do it anymore. But because, like they said, the man in the white coat was telling him, it's like, fine, I'm taking responsibility. He's an authorita- authoritative figure. Mm-hmm. The man pushing the button, actually giving the shocks, was like, fine, I'll do it. But he didn't want to. You could tell. He's like, I don't want to be responsible for this. I, I, this man is not okay. But the white coat guy was like, it's fine. Just do it. Please continue with the experiment. Right. And it is a little bit different because in this particular experiment, they're talking about administering harm to another individual. But in our case, we're talking about maybe doing things against your own conscience that would cause yourself harm. But I feel like if you can that easily manipulate somebody to hurt somebody else, then it would be even easier to do something that would hurt you. I think so. Like, I I feel like that's just kind of a natural response. Like, it's easier to hurt yourself than it is to hurt somebody else. I think so. And then when you compound that with the sleep deprivation, the restriction of food and water... Being in the elements. Like all of those other things that like group thinking and all of those other aspects to it. It's like no wonder cults are so fucked. Mm -hmm. Well, you're paying all this money. There's this person who You have that financial investment. Well, and then there's that guy you just have such... Or person that you have on such a high pedestal that you don't want to disappoint. And why? Why don't you want to disappoint him? Like, who cares? Yeah. For sure. I, it is very interesting psychology. Yeah. It's fucked. It's, it's horrible. seriously fucked up. It really is. I'm going to drink more of my drink. I'm, mine's gone. <laughs> my, both of mine are gone. I had to finish mine. That was very hard to listen to. All right. Well, it gets worse. Oh, yay. Okay. Because on July 12th of 2013, Ray was granted supervised release and left the state prison near Phoenix, where he had served his sentence. Okay. That's... Okay. And maybe I'm wrong, but I thought that Arizona, of all of, like, the U.S. states, had one of the more strict 
jail sentencing. Yeah, I kind of think they do. Isn't that the one where that one guy like had all of his inmates just wear pink? Yeah, and they sheriff. I don't remember. Yeah, he they lived out in a camp. It wasn't even um, an actual prison. They were out on a camp, mm-hmm. and he made them wear pink. And he had because they were like required federally to have access to television. Mm-hmm. So he had like TVs mounted on big posts, and the only thing that they could watch was the Weather Channel. So they knew how hot it was going to be. <laughs> and there was something he did like three or four different things that I was just like, "This is how a prison should be." <laughs> I'm all about that. The bologna sandwiches. He had like the lowest possible uh, cost for food. It's like, okay, this fits all of the federal nutritional requirements. requirements, And it's a bologna sandwich on white bread. Yeah. No, he got in all kinds of shit. People did not like him. Oh, I would have voted for him. I think he's just fine. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe there's something we missed that was like a little fucked up, but. I'm I mean, cool with them you camping. You land yourself in prison. See, okay, you could have saved $10,000. You could have committed some, like, harmless crime, gotten yourself thrown into this tent prison, and you would have saved, oh, man, you would have saved so much money. And you could wear pink all day. And you could actually eat. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Um, unfortunately, Ray today lives in Los Angeles. (gasps) What? Where he is working on a book along with an online learning platform. He lives by us? Yeah, I think. I think he still does. Let's find Um, out where he lives. Let's not, because I feel like he's going to sue us. Oh. And not (laughs) not egg his car or house. Um, He doesn't deny anymore that the sweat lodge incident uh, should be a part of his story forever. Um, he said that the biggest error he made was participating himself. What? Yeah. He felt that he should have been like outside of the participants and like he should have been supervising, which like, yeah, he probably should have. But at the same time, he probably shouldn't have done it at all. Um, he has made some really disgusting talks that you can unfortunately find clips of on YouTube where he almost uses his story to propel his platform even more. It doesn't surprise me. So he's kind of saying, look, I got sent to prison. I'm such a victim and I am now overcoming that challenge as well because that's how great I am. Um, I don't know what a good punishment for this man would be. I really don't. I don't feel that he should be allowed to write a book and tell his story and be profiting off of some horrible tragedies as well as possibly gaining more cult members. Dude, I don't know. It's fucked, though. But, like, he he says, quote, Sure, we were doing some ex- something extreme, but extreme athletes in our country are heroes. And I believe that Liz, James, and Kirby are heroes. Oh, that's gross. Isn't that so disgusting and slimy? And I'm sorry, but those athletes work up to... It's not even a comparison. It, no, it's really it's not. not. It's not even... Like, it's... You can't stretch it in any way. Mm. It's not. Um, he says that he hopes the public will receive, see his return as a challenge that he has overcome as well. Um, 
I, when I was looking up, trying to find that 911 call, I typed in his name into YouTube. And you'll be so happy to know that he actually just uploaded a motivational talk just last week about how to be wealthy in 2021. No way. Yep. Does he have subscribers? Are there comments? Did you read I them? No. Should I pull up? Yeah. Okay. What does Oprah say about him? You know, I'm not sure. I mean, she loved him back in the day. She had him on the show before all of this went down. I'm not sure if she ever came out and said anything um, after everything went down. Happened. All right. So he has 3.6 thousand subscribers. And his most recent video was five days ago. And he has a new series. I don't know how new it is, but I mean, or how long it's been going on. But his current series is called Redemption. And uh, it's not doing too well. Oh, good. Um, he's he's only had 35 views. Oh, good. Um, I mean, it's a lot of subscribers, but it's not that many subscribers. No. Let me see if there's an... Uh, yeah, his views are pretty low. I don't know. Like, okay, knowing everything that happened, do you think that he could redeem himself um, as a human? As a human, sure. People make mistakes, and if they make some changes in their life, then absolutely. I believe that people can change. Should he be in the position that he's trying to get in again no absolutely not yeah I agree I totally agree I think like if he had any sort of I don't know what you would call it I don't know where you're going if he had humility you just want to say that word again If he had any sort of, uh, like, if he took accountability. Mm-hmm. And which he's on, not. Which he never really did. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't think. And if he did, I feel like it was temporary and it was for. Show. Yeah. But no, he definitely shouldn't be in the public eye anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that if he were, were actually truly sorry, he would definitely take a step back from that. I think so, too. I think that if he were really sorry, he would be working with groups. If I mean, if he wanted to stay in, like, the whole group situation. But groups to actually make people better. Like, be a server for a while instead of a leader. Mm-hmm. Like, do things he, that can and hands-on. He wants to serve. He want. I mean, he wants to lead. And he not, wants to be the the highest of high yeah yeah so that's the story it's super fucked up oh you know what i forgot to mention can you hand me that paper i just threw it on the ground before i finished reading there's a really important ripple along with all the other ripples which i feel is probably the most important thing of this entire talk is that kirby brown's parents created this thing called seek safely and the letters for Seek, stop laughing at me, stand for self-empowerment through education and knowledge. And it's a nonprofit group that's a way for these self-help seminar treatment things 
to prove that they are practicing safety for their followers or their participants. Okay. And they are self-governing themselves mm-hmm. to not do stupid shit like cooking people in a tent. And at this point, like it's it's just voluntary. It's almost like if you have a certain seal, like what's a good um, comparison? Like AKC approved. Like American Kennel Club for mm-hmm. dog products. Sure. So AKC isn't part of the government. It's its own organization. It's its own group. But, but they, when they put their stamp of approval on something, it means something. And it gives it some sort of validity. Sure. And it's not as shady. So they're going around asking different health coaches, self-help groups, whatever, to participate and sign this pledge and say that you are going to abide by all of these um Regulations. Right. Yeah. Safety. Self-regulation self mm-hmm. practices that are not going to kill people. Well, and that's, I mean, not to get political or anything, but I believe that's better than having the government have their hand in it with, I mean, Absolutely. not being, a you know, having a clue onto what they're speaking about or trying to regulate. Yeah. I would much rather have it be self-regulated by people that actually know what they're talking about, know what they're dealing with, rather than someone who's not for sure and tell me the website again so we can i'll put that in our um show notes it is called seek safely so it's um the reason that they they called it that was uh one thing that they said that kirby always did was seek she was always seeking to learn new things she was always looking for the next adventure she was really into surfing and horseback riding and she called herself a warrior princess and yeah so she was always seeking so that's Mm -hmm. where they came up with that acronym i like it yeah so it's it's a nice way to um give her horrible tragic death some sort of meaning and hopefully it will save somebody else in the future yeah making some good out of bad yeah and that's what the ripple podcast is all about making the good out of bad so after all of that do you think that you have ever been involved in some kind of cult (laughs) (laughs) not necessarily cult but i don't know something like that could have potentially gone that way because you had one of those or many of those factors going on i don't think I personally have, but I will say that I am more than have more than once fallen into peer pressure. Yeah, I think we all have. And have been afraid to stand up for myself and gone along with the crowd. And if the crowd was in a sweat lodge and I was with that crowd, I may be one of those people to not get out because I didn't want to have someone say something to me or put me down or make fun of me or whatever. Yeah. No, I totally see that. I I think that that probably happens more than, uh, I mean, obviously not resulting in death that often, but, you know, more than people think. Do you think you were in a cult? Do I think I was in a cult? <laughs> I was in CrossFit. I am in CrossFit, so that's pretty oh, much a cult. How about my Peloton you know cult? Yeah. <laughs> um. The closest thing that I can think of that kind of went where it could have gone badly that's kind of related to CrossFit because I think it's like owned by the same organization was the Spartan race. 
Oh, I love Spartan races. And I love Spartan races, too. I love it. I think it's so fun, and I encourage anybody who They're very positive. They really, really are. But they're also very... You get into this, like, kind of tribal mindset where you're like, yes, we're a team. We can do it. We can all do this together. And Adam and I went to the world champion whatever, like, Uh the... Series. Yeah, the beast of... Mm -hmm. I don't... I don't know. It was essentially a half marathon. For the trifecta. But it was a Spartan race. Uh-huh. And it's an obstacle race, so so people who aren't familiar. And it was in Tahoe while it was snowing. And one of oh, the right. obstacles was to swim across this lake. And that was like maybe halfway through the race or maybe a little bit. I don't know. You still had several miles to go after you got after out of the, the lake. After the swim. Uh-huh. And we got there and it was already snowing and we were already freezing our asses off. And we were like, uh, no, we're not fucking swimming across that lake. Like, it's not going to happen. I don't care if I don't get the medal or whatever. Mm-hmm. They made you do like some penalty where you have to do like 30 burpees or right. something. But I could see how a lot, a lot of people would be pressured to get into that water. I would have gotten the water. And I will say that as we continued down the hill, we saw multiple medical units Mm -hmm. carting people away because they got I don't know if they got actually got hypothermia but they got really fucking cold well your muscles really tired yeah and they luckily that it's staffed in such a way where they are prepared prepared for stuff like that that to happen but yeah I mean no I would sort of stuff happens I would have probably given into the pressure and and gone for it and probably would have hurt myself yeah um the first time I did the LA marathon um I had people telling me like you know I I I worked on the EMT and I helped a lot of people that were not prepared to finish the entire race and if you're feeling sick or if you're hurting stop and just quit there's no shame in quitting and trying again Mm -hmm. and luckily I was able to finish but I saw a man collapse, like full on collapse at the finish line. Yeah. Like he, I mean, yes, he finished, but paramedics had to come and get him at the right. finish line. So that is a, a very, like a mob mentality almost. Yeah. You, know, you feel the pressure of you paid, you know, this money to participate. You're going to get this reward at the end. There's all these people around you that are doing it too. And if they can do it, then you can do it. And there's all these other people cheering you on. It's, it's very mob-ish. Very cultish. Yeah. And sometimes that can benefit you. And other times it can harm you. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like this, we got deep. I was just going to say that. <laughs> like, this is the most intellectual ripple that we've ever rippled on this ripple pod. Okay, so I have a last thought and a shot for you, but you have to sing me a song. Why? Do it. Last thought and a shot. Last thought and a shot. Dun, dun, da, 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 da. <laughs> drink. Drink. You don't have anything left to drink, though. I know. I'm all done. I'm just about done. I have one little tiny sip of Fireball left. Okay. So earlier today, you sent me an Instagram post. Um, or Eric did. One of, either yeah, you or I was going to say, I, don't, I mean, I know I did, but I can't think of any Instagram posts that would be relevant to what we're 
well, talking about it'll now. tie in. Okay. But do you remember that you sent me that they're filming a commercial or a movie or a series around the corner pretty much from yeah. here? They're, I think it's a TV series, right? I don't know what it is. They're filming something here in Santa Paula. Right. They're using like Old Town Santa Paula for their backdrop for something. Yeah. Who knows? So that got me to thinking like, oh, well, what have they filmed in Sedona? Mm. And I looked up like what's most recent and there's a whole bunch of like pre-production. I mean, we all know that kind of movies are a little slow right now with the whole COVID stuff. But um, I feel like they have a lot of exemptions and they sure do. But the um, real Patriot is supposed to be coming out pretty soon. Downstream, blah, blah, blah. A whole bunch of stuff I haven't heard of. And then stuff that has been completed in like 2020. None of them I have heard of. Um, okay, this is fascinating. Rosa. Right. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. There's something called the White Buffalo. And I'm like, oh, that's a great band or singer or whatever. Totally not the right white buffalo that I was thinking of. Okay. But have you ever heard of the Karate Kid? I sure have. 1984, the original with Wax On, Wax Off. Uh Uh-huh. Filmed in Sedona. Okay. National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh. 1983, Sedona. Sweet. Then it goes into a bunch of stuff. Maybe other people have heard of, but not me. Okay. Starman, Breakdown, Midnight Run, Universal Soldier, Dead Man, Drumbeat, Wild America, Fire Creek. No? No? Mm-hmm. Death Valley okay. Days. Uh-huh. Lana Dead or Alive, Private Lessons. No? Anyways. Credit Kid of National Lampoon's Vacation. Wow. Sedona, Arizona. All right. Well, that was a nice little palate cleanser. Oh, yeah. We needed it after that story. Um, And then I need to pick for... Next, Next time. week. It's your turn. You're up. Okay. Shake so. it up. Shake it up. I am going to be visiting the lovely area of Ohio. Oh, hi. Oh. This is the dumbest thing we've ever done <laughs> on this podcast. No, it probably isn't the dumbest. <laughs> Um, oh man! So I have friends that live in Ohio, and before she, they they used to live in California, but before she left, she made me Buckeyes. Oh, I, okay. One of us is making those next week. Not me. Why? I don't know how to do that kind of stuff. It's peanut butter and chocolate. Okay, you're all over. Okay, it. I'm doing it. And then I'm gonna be telling you about Ohio and strange history. Hmm. I can't tell you any history about Ohio other than um, the Drew Carey show took place in Ohio. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland rocks. Uh, They had Buzz Beer. Remember the Buzz Beer? Yes. Coffee and beer. Genius. (gasps) You should find that for our drink. Oh, is that a thing? Oh, yeah. There's definitely like coffee stouts and stuff. Oh, there's coffee stouts. Not that exact beer. But well, yeah, yeah, but like a beer that it gives you a buzz. I mean, like a coffee buzz. Like a coffee buzz. No, I think uh, Four Locos is the only thing that does that. <laughs> That's not legal anymore. No, not the original recipe. Four anyway. Locos. Loco for for Locos. Okay, come on. Strange history, Ohio, and you're gonna bring me some Buckeyes, and I'm gonna bring you some then good to drink. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Well, thanks everybody for um, hanging out with us for one full year 
And um, this is kind of a cool episode to do our full year with because it's our first two-parter. I like it. Okay, cool. Don't forget, everyone, to be a fountain. And not a drain. Bye, and don't drain any cults because they're scary and make you shave your head. Don't do that.